Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. I want to say hello to one of our listeners and thank him for his kind letter, Richard Sonnershine. I think I'm pronouncing that right. From San Francisco, California, Richard Sonnershine. He writes this, Thank you so much for your excellent program, about and from which I have learned so much of the beautiful rituals and traditions of the Eastern Church. I hope it will continue on Immaculate Heart Radio for a long time to come. Sincerely, Richard Sonnershine. Thank you, Richard, for your kindness. And we love hearing from all of you. Just write to us at TaborLife at earthlink.net. We have begun now on this Sunday in the liturgical calendar of many Eastern churches. This is a Sunday we call Sunday of Meat Fair. It's like the Eastern form of Carnival, Carnivali, Mardi Gras. In other words, <laughs> in fact, Mardi Gras, the word means Fat Tuesday. In other words, we indulge in the fattiness of the land. In other words, we eat animal products such as meat. And we do this in the Eastern churches for this Sunday because next Sunday we will eat cheeses, other dairy products, but we will not eat meat products. We will not eat meat per se. The reason is, is that this is a progressive transition into the rigors of Lent, which will include abstaining from meat and dairy products for the entire time of Lent, the 40 days. Now, this is the traditional fast. It may sound scary to you, but it's not mandatory, but it's certainly highly encouraged, strongly encouraged. Most eparchies, which are dioceses in the Eastern churches, they'll have modifications of this traditional fast. But I like to promote the actual traditional fast. In fact, even then, I'm kind of going easy on it, because actually you wouldn't even have things like oil or any wine. It's really very strict. But for the most part, we'll say that the traditional fast is no meat or dairy products during the 40 days of Lent. Now, we can mitigate that a bit on Saturday and Sunday, because on Saturdays and Sundays, we really don't have fasting. But at the same time, it's during the season of Lent, so we don't want to just let go of it entirely. So what we do in the Eastern churches is we do what's called mitigating. In other words, we, we soften those rigors of fasting on the weekends, but we don't give them up entirely. 
So we abstain from meat and dairy products as we move into Lent, which will be coming up in just two Sundays. Now, as we move into Lent, and a big point of Lent and why we have such disciplines like fasting is to gain control of our passions, the fallen side of our passions, so as to purify ourselves, to do repentance and cleansing. In fact, the first week of Lent in the Eastern churches is called Clean Week. Yeah, because we, we try to clean house, we try to really clean up our act on so many levels, because eventually, after Lent, as we come to Great Week, Holy Week, we're going to move with Christ in his incredible self-emptying, his self-sacrifice and death on the cross, till finally then we experience his resurrection. So it's a way of stripping ourselves, getting all this stuff out of the way that can get in the way of our complete vigilance for Christ, our complete openness and readiness to be filled with his resurrected presence on the Feast of the Resurrection, Easter. In embracing the disciplines of Lent, so as to break the power of our fallen passions, notice I say fallen passions, the goal in the Eastern churches is to reach what we call a state of apatheia. That's where we get the word apathy. And apathy doesn't mean, in this case, what we normally think it means or how we use it commonly. It doesn't mean, well, I don't care. I have no feeling. It means to be above the power of the passions, to be apathos, apathy, apathos, apatheia. See how it works? <laughs> pathos, like the passions, and a, putting the a before it means it's not of that. It's beyond that. So we reach that state of apatheia where we're no longer controlled by the passions. We still have our passions, and we should. We have hunger. We have desire for love and intimacy and so on. Those are good passions. Our passions are not in themselves bad. But because of original sin, they have a fallen side, and it's a very powerful fallen side, which means it can control us. Let's face it. I think we all know the power of our unbridled passions, of concupiscence, of what anger can do and lust and gluttony can do to us and to humanity. So in Lent, we focus on breaking that tyranny, moving beyond it. And the only way we can do that is by a certain program that is ascetical. It involves several things. First of all, it's fasting. It's all about saying no to ourself. And we're going to use the wisdom of fasting, the wisdom of the great spiritual masters of the Eastern Church and the liturgical traditions to focus in on a couple of things that are very problematic today. It belongs to part of our fallen passion. It's the passion of lust. And with that, oftentimes, is addiction to pornography. I call pornography the silent killer of our time. It's a very aggressive, very insidious thing that affects so many, many people, even the best of them, especially men, not exclusively men, but more so men because of the nature of it and the nature of, of men, how they're hardwired, how God created them to be and to see. So the devil knows how to get to men, to break them down, and he certainly found a way in this area of pornography and lust. First of all, we have to understand what we mean by lust. Lust is not just being able to see, in the case of men, being able to see and appreciate an attractive woman. To see that and appreciate that is not wrong. In fact, God hardwired men to do this, to be able to perceive, to be drawn to the attractiveness of womanhood. And this is for very good and holy reasons. Remember Adam, when he sees Eve for the first time, he becomes like a Shakespearean poet. 
This one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. Some of the most endearing words of all of Scripture of all times. The first man seeing the first woman for the first time. So God hardwired men to be attracted to women, to see in them beauty, but to see in that beauty the glory of God. See, that's the difference. Now we come to what lust is. Lust sees, but it seeks to possess. It seeks to consume, to take to ourselves, like Adam and Eve did when they ate the forbidden fruit. Notice that what that action was? I call it the fatal reach, to consume it, to appropriate it to appropriate it for and to themselves. And that meant their destruction. And that brought into the world what we all suffer from now, sin and death, and everything related to sin and death. So lust is where we look at something and we turn it towards ourselves for our own purpose. We basically use it. It's a very utilitarian approach. So we see something attractive in lust, and that's fine, But it's the next step that determines whether something is going to be sinful or holy. So when we are lusting, what we're doing is we're drawing something to ourself in a very utilitarian way. So we have to make that distinction. It's a very important distinction, especially among men. Many men think that because they find a woman attractive, that that's therefore a sin. No, it's not a sin. It's what you're hardwired to do, gentlemen. But the choice is made even in that split-second area. I call that the eye-mind coordination. This is how men are very much hardwired. We kind, of, we kind of exist from the neck up. God gave us a certain eye-mind relationship there. We see, and it goes to our mind, and we react. So we're very visual in that regard. So in that eye-mind coordination, and that little synapse there between what we see and the engagement of the mind, that's where the battle is waged, and that's where the devil is. But that's also where God is and where we have to allow God to be. So in that little synapse there, that very rapid, very quick split-second eye-mind dynamic, we have to insert something. We have to insert a sacramental view. We have to insert prayer. We see something that is good and attractive, no matter what it is. There's all kinds of beautiful things in the world, all kinds of things that are attractive. But what we do is we take that attractiveness and we turn it to prayer. I call this see, pray, and pass on. To see something, to pray, turn it into prayer, to glorify God, and then to pass on. In other words, put our attention, our sights to other things. Because if you linger too long, you're going to allow too much room for the devil to get into that synapse that I call it the eye-mind coordination. That's the synapse I'm talking about, that little split-second space that makes all the difference between holiness and sinfulness. Now, in order for us to develop that discipline of being able to look at something, pray, resist lust, and then pass on, we have to be disciplined in other areas. We have to know what it's like to hold back, to say no, to override an impulse. The Eastern Fathers of the Church talk about how thoughts, you know, things that go into us, you know, we can't help thoughts. They just happen. Things that we see, things that we think about that enter into our minds, they do so without our control. But those thoughts can engender, as the Eastern Fathers say, our passions. They stir up the passions, and from there, we open the door to the fallen side of passions. So what we want to do is we want to control thoughts. 
And we control thoughts by exercising and developing the discipline to control our entire lives, especially our appetites, such, such as eating, such as food. The Eastern Fathers believe that if you could break the power of desire for food, in other words, gluttony, you can break the power for anything. So they practice by encouraging fasting. In other words, if I could say no to food, then I can say no to the power of lust. Many men think this is impossible, but that's precisely why you build up that, that discipline by developing it in another area. If we want to focus on moving beyond lust and pornography, then we do it in part by focusing on another passion and developing the no, that feeling of the no, that power of the no, develop it in another area that makes it easier for us to develop in the area that we're focusing on, such as lust and pornography. That's what we are focusing on today in our program as we enter into these last preparations for Lent. We're talk more about the passions and how to move beyond them, especially lust and addiction to porn when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're entering into that period of great ascetical discipline of saying no to self and yes to our real self, yes to God. 
And in order to do that, we have to practice certain disciplines, the first of which is fasting. So today is meat fair. We have meat for the last time, the Eastern liturgical calendar. We're going to kiss meat goodbye until Easter. And we're doing that so that we can focus then on moving beyond other passions, especially a very difficult one in our day and age today, especially difficult for men, that is the passion of lust and porn addiction, addiction to pornography. The Eastern Fathers remind us that in overcoming any kind of addiction or fall inside of our passion, such as lust, which is a very difficult one to overcome, they tell us that first we have to be very determined and have a lot of resolve. So much of everything comes down to our will. It's kind of like that old joke, uh, someone's doing something to you and uh, maybe something that's, uh, you know, they shouldn't be doing whatever you say. Well, I'll give you a half hour to cut that out. <laughs> like we're enjoying it, even though we know it's wrong. <laughs> we're engaged in something and say, okay, I, like St. Augustine said, yeah, Lord, I want you to heal me. I want to move beyond the sin, but not right now. He said something to that effect. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And aren't we that way? You know, when we really are honest with ourselves, we say that we want to let go and move beyond a certain sin or passion. But if we really examine our will, there's a piece of us that at the same time really wants to hold on to it. Because if we really, really had a resolve that was really totally complete and pure, we would do everything. We'd have an all-out war to move beyond this. But there's a piece of us that really doesn't want to. So for people like, for example, St. Gregory of Sinai, an Eastern desert monastic, he says this, that we energize virtues according to our resolve. There's another father, St. Nikitas, who wrote this, Our insensive power serves as a weapon that provokes determination and resolve, and thus in accord with the will of God. When our desire and our intelligence, in a way that accords with nature, aspire to what is divine, then our intensiveness is for both of them a weapon of righteousness. When our desire and our intelligence in a way that accords with nature aspires to what is divine, then our intensiveness is for both of them a weapon of righteousness. This comes from the wisdom of the Eastern Desert Fathers. So we have to really be determined, and we have to examine that determination, because it's not always so pure, though we say, we, oh, how I wish I could move beyond this. But there's a little bit of a dishonesty there. So the act of a will is very, very important that it be purified as we try to move beyond any fallen passion, especially in this case, lust and pornography. Another dimension of moving beyond lust and pornography is to have a certain regimen, a certain, in a sense, program. Now, I'm going to draw upon some of the wisdom of a wonderful book. I mentioned this book to you before. It's called Healing, Volume 1, Orthodox Christianity and Scientific Psychology. It's by a priest psychologist, Dr. George Morelli. And you can get this book by going to ecpubs.com, ecpubs.com. That's the publication of our good friend Jack Fiegel from Eastern Christian Publications. Again, it's called Healing, Volume 1, Orthodox Christianity and Scientific Psychology. So this is what Dr. Morelli says. He gives a kind of a, a program for overcoming our fallen passions, especially things that are addictive, like sexual addiction, pornography. He mentions something called mastery experience, which means practicing appropriate, concrete, graduated actions in response to sexual cues. In the case of things like pornography, it means throwing out pornographic magazines and video CDs and so on and reporting specific and concrete feedback to a counselor. In other words, you actually have to, in a sense, 
as Dr. Murley says in his book, you have to go cold turkey on some of this. You just have to make an act of the will and say, that's it. I'm trashing this. I'm getting rid of this. I'm altering my pattern. That's a very important technique in overcoming addiction, especially when it comes to lust and pornography. Overcome your pattern. If you go to computer as a habit each evening, well, throw that off. Deflect that. Don't do that. Sometimes it's energy, and that's really what it is. It's a, our passions are kind of an energy that has gone off track. Sometimes when you just throw that energy off, you deflect it a bit. You can throw it off track enough so that it's no longer harmful and can replace that energy with something much more holy and productive. So you make small goals, and but make it immediate with that resolve, and then you kind of ratchet up those goals. Now, one of those is to change our habits and to throw away, get rid of, put those locks on the computer. There are locks you can get into. I recommend you go to Covenant Eyes, covenanteyes.com, and you'll find some very helpful things. There's other sources as well, but we'll be talking about them another time. Another technique is called vicarious experience. This is where you observe a peer model struggling with the same problem. It may be something as simple as watching a a discarding behavior or calling someone into a room before turning on the computer and placing meaningful icon directly next to the computer screen. Now, that's part of that throwing the pattern off. Let's say if you sat down next to your computer and you're going to be tempted to go to pornography. That's usually where most people acquire pornography is on their computers. If you had an icon next to that computer and you saw that icon or in front of your computer, lean it right up against your computer screen. If you had that and you saw an image of Christ there, it's going to deflect that energy. It's going to go and start to mess with your conscience in a good way. And you might not actually then follow through on your temptation. So that's a simple technique, but it also points to what I truly believe is the power of iconography. Set that icon next to the computer, right in front of that screen. So you have that just that moment of hesitation between you and that computer. You insert something holy, like an image. Instead of a pornographic image, you're going to go to a holy image, an image of icons. And I believe icons can be very therapeutic. As you look at that icon, pause for a moment, actually look at it. Really look at it. Examine the content, the composition, the colors, how your eye moves through that. Just really gaze on that for even a few seconds. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be nourishing your your mind, that eye-mind coordination area, and therefore your soul. You're going to be nourishing it just as you would be nourishing good food, your body on good food. You know, if you eat, you slam down junky food. You may feel good for a while, but afterwards, your body starts to feel guilty. It starts to let you know that, gee, what did you do? That didn't really satisfy. It seemed like it did for a moment, but it's really phony. It wasn't really what you needed. It's the same thing with visual food. We can take in visual food. It can actually really satisfy our true hunger, the hunger of our soul, our hunger for what is true, good, and beautiful. And that's what icons are all about. That's why they're so beautiful, so important. They really have curative powers to them. If we gaze upon them, what's going into our mind is something that can be very formative. It's, it's literally good for our brain cells as well as our soul and our heart. But if we look at bad images, images that are intended to incite us, incite our fallen passions, well, those things, it's like taking in junky food, like poisonous food. And it does actually do something to our brain. It really does. It does something physiologically to our brain. So put that icon there and throw off your pattern with something as powerful as an icon. 
Another step that Dr. Murley encourages is called prompting, using key or phrases as cues to appropriate action, followed by verbal approval as reinforcement. For example, the person will verbalize, throw pornographic magazines in trash, then throw them in the trash and follow up by saying, good job. Another example, a person may say, look over at the icon immediately and start a prayer and hit the escape key on the computer. When encountering a pornographic image, do just that. Once accomplished, say out loud, good job. So that was another good example. So using the computer, look over at the icon immediately and start a prayer. That goes back to what I said before about see, pray, and pass on. Notice how spirituality and the wisdom of Eastern spirituality, its iconography, its wisdom, its, uh, of its fathers, its spiritual masters, that can be used right along with modern psychology to help move beyond lust and pornography. So we use the ascetical disciplines, we break off our patterns, and above all, just as they do in programs like AA, above all, we know that we have to rely totally and first and foremost on God. And that's why we increase our prayer during Lent, so that we cry out to God like the publican in the Gospel of Luke, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I can't even raise my eyes to you. I am so dependent upon you, God. I throw myself on the floor, as we do in our services, we prostrate. I throw myself on the floor and beg your forgiveness, beg your mercy. Help me to move beyond these things, such as lust and addiction to pornography. We're going to talk more about the wisdom the Eastern churches as applied to the times of Lent and our fallen passions. But I want to thank you for listening today. I am Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. More to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. The church has 2,000 years of wisdom to share on what it takes to live life gracefully. We're so overwhelmed by how much our faith has transformed our marriage and family especially. We want everyone to experience the incredible gift that the Catholic vision of life and love really is. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.